begin. Do you do like an intro and stuff? I'm gonna first, do a little or? intro. Yeah. yeah, I'll do a little intro. Would you like me to sing like the entrance music? Could you do yeah. that? Could you do some whale music? Whale music? Yeah. What's well, what's the name of the podcast? The title? And breathe. And breathe. Yeah. But if you could do like some dolphins, whales, like gentle whale, gentle waves. <laughs> That's very good, Richie. <laughs> Take three deep breaths right now. Breathing in and breathing out wherever you are. Notice how you feel in your body and your mind and come into the present moment. Hello and welcome to And Breathe. My name is Rebecca Dennis and I am a breath coach and this podcast is here to help you understand the power of your breath. Each episode, you'll hear experts and inspirational people from all walks of life share their stories and experiences that have changed their lives for the better. And throughout the podcast, we'll be sharing tips on how our breath can help us through challenging times and how it's much more than just an inhale and an exhale. I'm excited to share with you that accompanying each episode will be an exclusive breathing exercise. You can come back and listen to these at any time you feel the need. They are free, easy to use, relaxing exercises, and the more you practice, the more you'll feel the benefits. I've specially designed these to help you navigate through life by reducing stress and anxiety, getting better sleep, feeling more clarity, focus, gain self-confidence and bringing more energy. You can find these breathing exercises wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search for And Breathe. So let's move into the podcast with my next guest. I'm so excited to have managed to get Richie Bostock, otherwise known as The Breath Guy, into the studio today. I can't wait to share this with you. We have a really great chat about how he came to breathwork after his dad was diagnosed with MS, an incurable disease, and after doing some research on the internet, he discovered Wim Hof jumped on a plane from Australia to Poland to work with the Iceman himself. His story is incredible, really inspiring, and I hope it will give people a lot of hope. We also speak about the science of breath and cut through some of the confusion around different opinions about what is a good breath and what's a bad breath. And he's come onto the scene. He's doing some incredible work with breath work, spreading the word and um, and really getting the message out there that really breath is one of the most natural, sustainable healing tools that we have on the planet right now. And and just giving a deeper understanding to a wider audience that how we can really change the way that we breathe, when we change the way that we breathe, how it affects our thinking, how it affects parts of our brain, how it affects our heart rate, our nervous system. And Richie and I have been talking for a while about, you know, why why, you know, why are we not taught these fundamental tools as children? You know, we're taught how to bathe, we're taught how to communicate, we're taught how to to clean, we're, we're educated in, in so many other ways, but we're not given these fundamental tools that can really help us to navigate us through life. And so um, Richie has a really incredible backstory, but I'll get him to share that with you. And we're going to be covering today the science of breath and um, where we can see the breathwork 
movement going, like what the vision is, and also talking about how the breath can take you into these different states. So there's a lot of people out there because I think that now anxiety is at an all-time high. When I first came across breathwork 10 years ago and when I started teaching it eight years ago, people didn't really necessarily understand what I meant when I was telling them that my job was to teach people to breathe. And um, But now there seems to have been a real shift and people really get it because they really need these tools to to reduce stress, to reduce anxiety, to cope in this very fast-paced life, this world that we're living in right now. And so people are looking for alternative ways, people are accessing plant medicines, but also breathwork can really take you to this, this state and can take you to these places. So we're going to be talking about that, we're going to be exploring that. And we're also going to be talking about breath work with with men so a lot of men uh it's really beautiful to see so many more men now coming into these breathing sessions coming to retreats coming to workshops coming for one-on-ones and really showing up and doing the work and there's again there's a real shift and there's a real movement in in um i guess like what are perception is of what masculinity what's masculinity is and really looking at that and men really supporting each other and um discussing feelings and their emotions and and breathing together so welcome richie thanks so much for having me bex i know we've been talking about doing this for a while so i'm super super happy to be here finally Finally, yay. (laughs) So um, you've been on a pretty incredible journey, haven't you, with the breath work? I think we met, what was it? Was it two years or three years? It's probably about two years, maybe a little bit more just because I've only been in London for about two and a half years. Yeah. So yeah, around then, I guess. Yeah. And And you had, well, you've been done, you've done a number of different trainings, haven't you? So you've worked with a lot of masters of breath work around the world when we were working together you'd just been I believe was it training with Dan Brule and with Judith Kravitz and actually yeah. Wim Hof as well so we can cover all of that but um yeah first of all it would be really great if you could just share your story and why you came across breathwork yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think when most people, when you talk to people about, um, you know, you meet someone, they ask what you do and you say, well, I teach breath work or I like to make it more fun and say, I teach people how to breathe for a living. Mm-hmm. And uh, they go, how do you get into that? And like, is there a university degree for that? Is that actually a thing? Um, so my, actually my university degree, my, my tertiary education was in finance and accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually used to work in management consulting in one of those big consulting firms in Australia for mm-hmm. about six years. Uh, but uh, the breathwork came into my life purely by accident. Uh, so my dad, um, years and years ago, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, an autoimmune disease, and uh, like all autoimmune diseases, there's no uh, set cure. You know, there's a, most people will have to deal with it for an entire life and just manage it the best that they can. Um, but so I was looking for ways to be able to to help dad, um, whether it's diet, uh, alternative practices, medicines, and lifestyle changes, just anything that might be useful for him. 
And uh, so it was actually through searching on the internet uh, and coming across a podcast with this guy called Wim Hof. And this is in Australia, right? So yeah, you in Australia. Living in Australia at the yeah. time. Yeah. So um, Wim Hof, he's uh, known as the Iceman. And if you haven't come across him before, he's called the Iceman because he holds 20-something world records all related to cold exposure. Mm. So things like swimming under ice for the longest distance. He nearly summited Everest just wearing shorts. You know, it's a lot of really crazy things. Yeah. Um, and he's developed this method that he originally was using to train for his own cold stunts and then to train other people. Um, but as it turns out, it just seems to be very good for everybody's health and well-being. So it's called the Wim Hof Method. It involves cold exposure activities and also breath work. Yeah. So on this podcast, he was talking about how it's useful for everyone, but seems to be very good for people who have autoimmune problems mm -hmm. like MS. So that's what caught my attention. And uh, I still remember having that conversation with dad being like, hey, um, so I've just read about this guy called the Iceman, and he says that if you do some breathing techniques and take a cold shower, it might help your MS. What do you think? <laughs> and you can imagine, my, my dad's like old school Brit, right? Yeah, so he's like, he's real like skeptic. yeah, mm. yeah. And he's just like, I mean, I don't even think you need to be skeptical to hear that and be like, what are you talking about? You yeah. know? Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily have anything to convince him with. I just had heard about it and mm. did a bit of research on the internet about it. And was like, maybe it could work. I don't know. Um, but sometimes you have a good feeling about things and you just go, I think this is important. And that's what I had then. So I ended up uh, traveling to Poland um, to learn the Wim Hof method. So we were in the middle of the, this, like, this, this little village in the middle of nowhere. Um, and we spent a week there in the middle of winter doing all the crazy stuff that Wim does. So we're mm -hmm. swimming in the ice lakes. We're climbing mountains in our shorts, minus 19 degrees out. You know, um, we were doing all these incredible cold stunts. But what really blew me away was the breath work yeah so we were did he give you any training before like before you kind of got <laughs> taken out in your shorts and taken when, into when the, the, into was the an, there was a Wim Hof instructor who was going to take us out for our very first breath work uh not breath work um I walk in the snow mm. first morning and he um what did he say he says he said something along the lines of all right, guys, we're all standing at the front of the hotel just in our underwear, basically. And he goes, all right, guys. So this is men and women. Men well. and women. Yeah, yeah there's 25 of us. All shapes and us. sizes, like kind Young, of different. Young, old, yeah. fit, not fit. Um, I think it was mostly men. Men seem to be drawn more to the, the Wim Hof method more than women. I think it's the cold part. Yeah, because so, he's pretty maverick, isn't he? He's kind he's, of like he's not very masculine like, energy as well. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, as you've seen, like the, the energy of the person who creates something is going to attract kind of like yeah. like-minded people, right? So it's a lot of like guys, guys. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the exact opposite as well. But um, yeah, I think the instruction was something along the lines of, so we're going to go for a walk. It's about minus three degrees outside. Uh, but uh, just know that I've taken hundreds of people through this already and everyone's fine. Um, just try and relax. Might feel a bit uncomfortable at first, but if you just focus on your breathing, just try and slow it down, uh, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. So let's go. That right. was that was the training before we went for a first 45-minute walk in the snow, barefoot, in our shorts, sometimes the snow coming above our knees. Right. But, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, but, you know, but he was right, you know. And no one got frostbite. We're certainly over the entire week, you know, every day, sometimes twice a day doing these cold activities, uh, no one got as much as a sniffle. 
the entire week. See, that's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible yeah. because obviously we are, you know, I listen to a lot of Wim Hof stuff and, I, and I've, um, you know, read a lot of his stuff as well and how we're all born with this natural ability to adapt to environments. But because we, when we're too hot then we'll you know we'll, we'll we, turn we'll, on the we'll, ac yeah or, we'll know. turn on the air conditioning yeah. or if we're feeling cold then we'll wrap ourselves up in clothes and then we'll put shoes on our feet and so on so we've kind of we've made ourselves so that we're not adaptable or we're not um evolved now to to cope with that sort of climate but it's like when little babies for example like when i was hanging out i was just came back from norway actually i was teaching some breath work there and um one of the guys who had done Dan Brelay's training he hadn't been doing Wim Hof's but he said that every morning he goes out with his 14 month year old and they go swimming in the Norwegian ice cold sea and it, his little boy is just loves it Wow! and there's something about because of the brown fat isn't it that we're all born with so, yeah, yeah so well so Wim talks about um, activating brown fat yeah now I am I'm, I'm very scientifically minded you know and mm. I'm very open-minded to things, but uh, one of the things that I'm not even entirely sure they've actually completely proven is this activation of brown fat through this method or through this extended cold exposure. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a theory, and they do seem to see correlations, mm. um, like through extended studies of people who have exposed themselves to cold, that they have this higher amount of brown fat that yeah. the body can access for to be able to heat itself up, um, but. In terms of a direct cause and effect, I'm not sure if yeah, there's actually, actually been like that. actually gaining back brown fat. Exactly. Like once you've lost it, can you yes. get that back again? Yes, yeah. yes. It was, you know, it's been a little while since I've been um, working closely with the Wim Hof community. Mm. Um, and, but I remember like that was what we were talking about and they were talking about all these studies that they're going to try and do to prove more and more and more. But um, from what I've seen so far, they haven't been published yet if, if they've been done. But there was definitely a correlation and they could see it. And, you know, Wim, for example, seems to have a higher percentage of brown fat yeah. um, compared to most of the average adults. Mm. Um, whether it's a direct effect of what he does or not, the, the correlation seems to be there, but causation, I think, is yeah. what's not quite been proven yet. Well, I guess because it's something that's quite sort of new, yeah. isn't it, as well? It's like it's not like he's been practicing this for, I don't know how many he years. Has, he he or, has for not, a while. He but then maybe has. there's not quite as many people that that go to the extremes that he does, and he really does go to extremes. So once, once for theory to become fact, there needs to be... Uh, repeatable studies, basically, yeah. like that's and you know, Wim so much of the time is kind of been put out there as his outlier, and I think he does an incredible job in trying to bring other people in to mm. prove it's not just him and that anybody can do it. And yeah. there have been plenty of studies showing some of the amazing effects uh, that Wim Hof method has, um, not just for Wim, but for for anybody, you know, particularly around being able to control uh, immune response. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, but I think, you know, the, the thing with, the thing with science and I'm seeing this a lot, even just with breathwork period is that it takes a long time, yeah, you know, absolutely. it takes a long time for things and to it move. it takes commitment as well, doesn't commitment, it? Commitment, resources, uh, funding. And I think if we slow down our progression as quickly as science can move, then we're doing ourselves a, you know, disservice. 
sometimes it takes a little bit of a leap of faith to go, I think this is what's happening. It seems to make sense based off what we do understand. And we look at the experience of the people who are participating and it seems to suggest it. So for sure, let's get in scientific inquiry involved, mm -hmm. but that's not going to stop us from going forward. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it's like what the yogis have been saying for thousands of years. Yeah. Like how how the breath is one of the most powerful tools that we have and the abilities that it can places that it can take us to but it's like science and there is a lot more research now isn't there that's yes. coming out and there's like incredible research around recent research around the brain and like activity when with different emotional states and how it accesses different parts of the brain and how you can shrink part of the amygdala as well through practicing meditation and breath work every day which i think is incredible um but but then you know it's like but then also really with breath work it's it's everyone is so unique and everyone is wired differently and you do have to the best way is to experience it isn't it but people do love science and they love facts and they and I think there's space for both, which is what yeah. I, I love. You know, I guess that's maybe how I see how I approach things is that, you know, where science can prove things out, validate what we believe to be true, that's brilliant. But at the same time, if I'm experiencing something or I see somebody else who's experiencing something, for me, that is just as important as the repeatable study that we've just completed, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and we're seeing that so much in uh, other things outside of breath work. Um, you know, you and I have talked about Dr. Joe Dispenza before yeah, and yeah. he's doing a great job in trying to bring science into his work. But mm -hmm. at the same time, some of the stuff that's happening through his work is so far beyond what his studies have been able to prove so far. Um, but that's not going to stop him. He's going to keep going. So I think, you know, we just do our best, but remain open to what's possible and, and get excited about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's what's exciting about it is that people, it empowers people to really take back control or to uh, have a better understanding about how our bodies are just not there to take us from A to B and to get us through life. It's actually if we connect to our bodies when we're working with the breath and we're working with nutrition, understanding what we're putting into our bodies when we can give them a really good helping hand, can't we? And we can take, we can, you know, we can do some incredible things. Well, I guess that's what he's proven as well, isn't it? Yeah. And you even take, for example, the like the biohacking community. Mm. So as technology continues to make uh, measuring various um, markers throughout our body more accessible to everyone, everyone's becoming really, I think, obsessed with the idea of measuring every single thing that's yeah. going on in their body. Yeah, biohacking seems to be like the new... Kind yeah, of, it's, yeah, it's a big thing these days. Yeah. I mean, and I used to be really into it as well, like wearing all your bio feedback devices and that kind of thing. You know, I used to be on the ketogenic diet and would prick my finger with my blood every morning to see where my ketone levels were. And, um, but, and I think, you know, there's, there's, there's a definitely a great space for it. Mm. Um, one thing that I'm interested in though, is where people start to forget about just feeling into your own body yeah. and your own intuition. And yeah. rather than having some device tell you how you should feel, actually just take that moment of whether it's stillness or silence Absolutely. to come into your body then you're and go, handing yourself over yeah. to technology again aren't you and exactly. that's where we've kind of like lost so much of our senses like navigation because we rely on google maps or sat nav yeah. whereas before back in the day i just have my map or i just you know you get to these places wouldn't you but now i couldn't imagine trying to drive anywhere 
without my sat-nav. Exactly. Um, my, that, part of, that part of my brain, that like spatial awareness part of my brain is, mm. I swear, it must be the size of a pea now because I can't read a map at all anymore. Yeah. I need my phone. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, but you're so right. And I think, you know, you'd agree that the breath becomes so useful and able to to tap back into feeling inside of the body and seeing what's going on, mm. you know, the, to be able to use it as a tool, you know, think of it as, as the body's own technology, right? You know, yeah. I always like to say that the breath is like a Swiss army knife in the different ways that we can use it, um, to be able to maybe feel into the body to see what's going on, to access your intuition a little bit better, to be able to ask yourself questions and actually use the breath to be able to make decisions, um, or to be able to change your states as you know, we, we are very well aware of how we can do. Um, yeah, it's like breathwork has its own technology. It is, a, it? It, is yeah, a technology. it is a technology. And yeah. like you said, it's been in the in ancient traditions forever, whether it's the yogis or the Sufis or, you know, the shamanic principles, the ancient, the, um, Australian Aboriginals had a breath practice, you know, like it's, uh, it's been there forever. Uh, but for some reason got lost uh, in, I don't know what, why, but 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 now it's back in a big, big, big way. In a big, big way, yeah, absolutely. And I guess because people just, uh, I guess because of the, the levels of stress and anxiety and then people experiencing burnout, um, that now it's, it's started as an underground movement but now it's becoming more and more mainstream, which mm. is great, which is fantastic. Yeah, and, let's get breathing um, mainstream, huh? <laughs> which sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Really, it really does. But let's get back to you yeah. and the snow. Oh, yeah. So, so we're, yeah, we're going to so go back to we? that. So, oh, like, yeah. kind of, so all of these people who obviously hadn't been used to walking in the snow for that length of time actually managed to do that. and Able to do incredible things. Were there tears? Were there kind of, was yeah. it hard? And, you know. You know, people ask, you know, if you do the cold for long enough, do you just stop feeling the cold? And at the answer is no. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. But what you are able to do is better manage your state in response to the cold. Um, when people ask me about cold showers, for example, they say, does it ever get easier? Um, for me, you know, and I've been doing cold showers for so many do you, years do now. Do you practice that yeah, every day? Every well, day. When I say practice, do you take a do cold I take shower? A, yeah, yeah, every day, every yeah. day. And the... Um, the initial shock of a cold shower never changes, at least for me anyway. You know, that initial breathtaking moment where everything tenses up and your body mm-hmm. gets slammed into a stress response for me never disappears. What has changed over time, though, is my um, uh, ability to downregulate everything quickly, to be able to relax and to be able to get into a place where it feels comfortable and bearable. So where it may have used to have taken me a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. now it takes me maybe... 15 seconds. So would you would you say that this is something that anyone can practice and they could start that now and it's a safe thing to do and how would you recommend that yeah. people I mean, take it's, that it's, into a practice and why, you know, why is it good? It's basically accessible to everyone. If you have severe cardiovascular issues of any kind, then maybe check with your doctor first to make sure that it's, it's okay for you. Um, but even if it's, for me, you, you don't even necessarily have to, uh, you know, swing the, sh- the shower knob all the way to the coldest that it can get. You know, if you can just expose yourself to a little bit of colder water, then I think that that in itself has a huge benefit. So the best way to get started with it, if you're just starting from scratch, is to start with a warm shower. So get in the shower, warm, do the normal thing that you do, wash yourself, and then when you're about to finish, 
try and aim for, let's say, the last 30 seconds. Start to make it cold and mm-hmm. start to just try and get used to what that feels like. Yeah, that's and kind of what I manage is like a 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. But you know what's really interesting about the breath, about the, breath, about the cold um, is for me anyway, um, unless you're trying to manage maybe some sort of physical issue, in which case maybe longer exposure to cold is useful. For most people, I believe it's more about training the mind. Mm-hmm. It's more about learning to relax in a moment where you're supposed to be stressed because that's a really useful skill for any moment of any day. Is that presumably because then that's not going to be promoting inflammation to the well, body? Is that, you know, you're, you're training your body to not do that when no, you're in a it's, stressful it's, situation? It's always going to happen. So if, if, you know, if you get into a cold shower, you know, you're always going to have that initial stress response. At least I believe so. I'm not even, I haven't asked Wim. I'm not sure if he, I'm sure he still gets it. You know, you're always going to get that initial <gasps> feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and in which case you're, you're slammed into your sympathetic response. That's going to happen, no doubt. But what is more interesting for me is the quicker that you are able to take yourself out of it. It becomes what I call this neuroflexibility, yeah. the ability to shift from your activated states to your relaxed states and vice versa. Um, so how quickly can you go from um, being in the cold shower, you just get in, your 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 um, your breath gets taken away from you, your, your shoulders shrug, everything gets tense, you're sucking in your belly, you're sque- everything is tense, to being able to almost become like a jellyfish in the shower. So everything relaxes, you let go of every single muscle, you let go of your jaw, your breathing becomes slow. And how um, quickly are you able to do that? Because what you're doing then is you're starting to train this um, this uh, process of the body going into stress and the mind staying relaxed or being able to take it out of stress. Mm-hmm. So. You know, most of the time when people are living their days, you know, they, you don't think to be stressed. Stuff just happens and unconsciously you're, you're, you get triggered and your body goes into a stress response. And it's after the body goes into the stress response does your mind catch up and say, oh, I'm feeling anxious. I'm mm-hmm. feeling panicked, these yeah. kinds of things. Um, and then once you realize that you're feeling anxious or you're feeling panicked, then your body, your mind starts searching for reasons why. Um, which will eventually cause more stress, send a whole new stress response through the body, which then the mind picks up again, and you get into this cycle of thinking and, and feeling and feeling and, and thinking. People start to be upper chest, upper, yeah. upper chest breathers and shallow breathers or fast breathers and so and so on, and getting into like these unhealthy patterns. So the power of of the cold shower is learning to break that cycle of stress and anxiety in what I believe. So your body goes into stress. Can you use your mind to go, I'm actually okay? Mm. In which case you break out of the cycle of thinking and feeling, feeling and thinking. Um, and it, it means then that you kind of start to become a little bit unshakable. You know, your, 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 your relationship to stress is reprogrammed. Yeah. And that's what I've seen for so many people who yeah. are able to get used to that. Because that's why they call it the warrior breath to become more of a warrior in the world. The peaceful warrior, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's, uh, but, but you, know, you know, back to Poland, you know, the cold stuff is fascinating mm. and I really enjoyed it and it does blow your mind. You know, you, you're four hours in minus 19 degrees just in your shorts, basically. Like, how is that physically possible? Um, but what blew my mind, to be honest, even more than that was my first experiences with breathwork. You know, and you know as well as I do, um, 
what it feels like you know, when you do your first breathwork session and you start to, within minutes, feel the physical sensations and then within a few more minutes, your brain starts to go into different places and all of a sudden you're feeling different emotions and experiencing different states of being. Um, you know, I came out of my very first breathwork session with just such an incredible sense of peace, calm, clarity, confidence, um, and like a sense of power, like, yeah. like, like the world was my oyster, mm. that nothing could go wrong for me and that anything was possible. I just needed to decide what to do. That yeah. kind of feeling, which... I remember that as well, like my first ever breath session, walking into a breath workshop and then not having any idea what was going to happen and then just having this completely cathartic experience very feeling every single cell in my body but just knowing that something really powerful had mm. just happened and then just feeling like so much clarity yes. afterwards it's it's i don't think anyone forgets their first breath no. session <laughs> and then you kind of go chasing it a little bit like i want to have oh that oh my you know, gosh i wish yeah. i wish i could feel the things that i felt back then it's uh it's a bit different these days yeah but but it's but it's still yeah but it's but that's why I love it as well because it's it's always a journey and you're always learning and always growing and always adapting with the breath and it's just so it's it's just it's a good thing to play with yeah isn't it and but it, like going back to to Wim Hof and and we will get to back to the to the other parts with like weaving in and out of this but um yeah, so I mean, I guess it's like what you, you say, he does attract like a very masculine crowd, doesn't he? And it's, but in a way, that's it's fantastic what he's done because he's really opened up this arena of men now coming to explore breath work. And then maybe they're doing it because of it. it's like this getting superpowers, being able to walk up Kilimanjaro in the shorts and with no trainers and you know and, and all of these things that you can do but then also with his backstory which is really very powerful and very beautiful as well is that he he lost his his wife didn't he mm. to suicide yes and he has four children yes and, and and he also talks about how the cold water and breath helped him to deal with his own trauma and his own grief and really helped him to get through that as well. So although he's created this platform of it's very masculine, quite alpha, but also it's, it's, there's also another message there as well, isn't there? Absolutely. And if you ever do a breathing session with him, you know, when he like narrates his breathing sessions, you know, he'll, it's all about going into the feeling. You know, it's all about going into emotion. It's all about going into feeling. The Wim Hof method itself isn't necessarily designed to be the, I guess you could say, most powerful tool to, let's say, go through into the therapeutic side of yeah. breath work. But, I mean, if you do it for long enough and intense enough and with somebody like Wim saying, breathe, you know, like it's going to it's going to have an effect. And mm -hmm. he does talk a lot about, you know, go into your feeling and, and see what's there. And you're right. But I think... One, Wim himself, you know, such a masculine guy, but actually when you meet him, he's very soft. Mm. He, has, he, for me, is very balanced in that sense, but because he's done all these incredible uh, endurance activities and stunts, people just think he's this incredible, you know, Superman. The, the ice man. Yeah, the he? ice yeah. man. Yeah. And um, uh, so it does attract a certain type of person uh, for sure. Uh, the cold by the, is you know acts as a challenge, and guys naturally are a bit more attracted to the challenge. You know, 
um, I did a men's event recently and I got some of the Wim Hof guys to come and to facilitate the ice bath. Yeah. How was that? Well, so, you know, usually the classes and workshops that I run are maybe like 80% women most Mm. of the time, you know, it's still that kind of way that, you know, the the women are a bit more open to this stuff. Yeah. So I, uh, I was inspired to do a men's event, which I've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, but about, you know, about three and a half, maybe nearly four months ago now, um, my uncle, who's, you know, one of my only family here in London, uh, he took his life after Mm -hmm. struggling with mental health issues for quite a long time. Yeah. And, so that was a huge shock to the family. Mm. Um, and so for me, you know, having to work through processing what happened there, understanding that, um, going through my own process of grief and, um, meant that it was, it was, it was a very big catalyst for me to go, okay, like yeah. this is enough's enough. Like yeah. I've been thinking about doing this for a while and I've been putting it off cause life and all those things but now this is time yeah because male suicide is one of the biggest killers of men under 45 is, uh, yeah. yes and you know i think it's you know women are far more um the rates of depression and anxiety in women are far higher than in men yet men are th- i think it's like three times more likely to to take their own lives so yeah. um it's 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 very interesting and i guess it kind of goes towards that you know, men not being able, to, well, not being able, feeling like they shouldn't be uh, expressing, you know, it's so and admitting. so ingrained, isn't it? Yeah. So deeply ingrained with men are told, little boys are told to man up or mm. to be brave or exactly. not be a girl's blouse. Exactly, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. So um, I was, so I decided to do this men's event and I really wasn't sure, like, what the scale of it would be because, mm. again, most of my clients seem to be women and... I just, I wasn't sure. And I was trying to work out where we would do it. And obviously all these, you need to think about how many people you would want. And for one reason or another, and I'm not sure why, I just decided let's just try and make this as big as possible. And it was just well, it's still so, so taboo, isn't it? And so still so much stigma yeah. around it. And, um, but I, you know, that's so beautiful that you held that and, and, I mean, I'm finding now actually that it's the men that are coming up and they are the first to share and they are leading the way. And it's like there's a big shift and it's, yeah. I think, I mean, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I people that like asked how the event was and I, I keep saying I'm surprised because there were so many people and how it went and everyone kind of says the same thing as you. But I think there's such a demand, like mm. guys want to talk about this stuff and they just need the space to be allowed to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think as you experience in your workshops, there's plenty of men who are happy just to get up and talk about it in front of anybody, um, women, whoever, but, you know, to have a space for just the brothers to come together and, and share in that setting, uh, I think yeah, is quite because, unique. Because you're, you're opening up this space and then once one person shares and then one person stands up and they admit that yeah. they have been experiencing suicidal thoughts mm. or they have to disguise anxiety every day in work you know it takes so much energy doesn't it to do that or how they feel like in their relationships and then it opens up a space then for other men to in the room to then go actually yeah I feel like that and it's like and then they can share that too and then all of a sudden it's like people don't feel like they're so alone so it's such important work 
Yeah. And even, you know, with a few men who just got up just to say, I'm not sure why Mm -hmm. I'm even standing here. I'm not sure why I have this microphone in my hand. I just thought it was important for me to do this and just to say that I relate to everything that's being said. Yeah. And just that in itself, you know, was so, so powerful. Yeah. Monumental. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. To cut a long story short, yeah. So dad saw the photos and he heard the stories and decided, oh, maybe, maybe there's something to this then. Uh, and, uh, fast forward, you know, um, to today and he does his breathing techniques, you know, every single day, Wim Hof method every day, cold showers every day, changed his diet as well, which was, is very important for anyone so who has interesting. I mean, stuff. that's, that's really interesting. Can you just share yeah. what he did with his, um, it's, to it's change his diet? It's something called the walls protocol. So mm. walls is spelled W A H L S yeah. and it's developed by this lady called Dr. Terry walls. And she was able to cure her MS through um, nutrition. And Mm -hmm. she's developed a very specific system uh, for MS, but also for all autoimmune issues. And um, it starts with like an elimination diet, and then you start to introduce certain things. And there's certain stages depending on your progression and um, how severe your your condition is. but, uh, I mean, very simply, it kind of follows along similar to a paleo, you know, diet. It's mm. anti-inflammation. So we're taking out the dairies, the, sh- the processed sugars. Um, we're talk- taking out any gluten. Um, it's very alkaline diet. Yeah, taking out nightshades, mm. uh, taking out, interestingly, keeping some red meat and chicken and fish and all these things, and um, but less rice and grain, Um so, you know, it's basically becomes sort of like a protein and veg kind of diet. Yeah. Um, but it's worked wonders, I believe, for him. And in combination with this, it's meant that the progression of his MS has just completely stopped in his tracks. And just, I think it was a week ago now, I got a message from my mum there over back in Australia. He gets his uh, bi-annually MRIs to see what's happening in his nervous system and absolutely no progression whatsoever. Wow. So it's still green light, still going very good. Yeah. And how long ago was that? Like since well, he... So he was diagnosed over six years ago now. Okay. Yeah. And so, so he's no been practicing like cold showers, cold diet, showers, breath diet, work. breath work. Those are the only changes. But the big thing I would say for him as well is, and I believe this goes for any autoimmune d- disease. Yeah. Um, is mindset is so important, mm. you know. Um, I think if I remember right, you know, the um, the the one of the medical asso- or health associations in the states actually has a category for diseases called diseases of despair, mm. of which I think a lot of the autoimmune diseases are in there. Yeah. So they are actually recognizing the emotional element yeah. and how this emotional element can manifest into physical things and. You know, um, I think I believe that like for dad completely like effect, doesn't it? Where it's just um, uh, when you're feeling that low or you're feeling like you, you know, on days when, you know, in a work room with people with rheumatoid arthritis or autoimmune disease or ME or chronic fatigue and they have just can't get out of bed. And then yes. so therefore it's like then it affects the mind. So it's so, so physical, but it's mental as well. Isn't it's it? all and connected. It's like, how can you get yourself? out of that 
Yes. Yeah. And I'll be completely honest, you know, I don't think his diet is as strict as it used to be. Mm. Um, I just believe that he doesn't believe that yeah. he thinks he has MS right. anymore. Okay. You yeah. know? Yeah. So I think his, so his mindset his is so that. strong that mm. it. I don't believe it will ever progress. He could probably stop doing cold showers and breath work, but I think he's he's his mind is so set in a certain way that he doesn't identify it with, yeah. identify with it He's anymore. He's no longer feeding the fear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of, you know, we mentioned Dr. Joe before, that's a lot of what his work is like too, is, you know, it's de-identifying with that person who's sick um, and, you know, identifying with the healthy side or with the future that's ideal for you that includes health, includes energy, includes all these things. Um, so, you know, I think a lot in itself can be, cured with or cured or, or managed or improved with uh the state of your mind mm. um but at the same time do all the things that you're supposed to do as well yeah whether it's nutrition modern medicine everything has its place yeah absolutely okay so i mean that's that's incredible so that then inspired you to then mm. keep like to because obviously this first it was a mission about dad but then it was like this then it's inspired you to then leave the corporate world which you're working yeah. in and well i um i was just blown away by what was happening with dad but then also experiencing it for myself um i you know back in especially back in those days was also going through a tough period in my life was really not in a good way um having anxiety attacks uh, definitely going through bouts of depression backwards and forwards through it. And it's just how much the breath worked helped me seeing how much it helped my dad, seeing the effects of it and everyone else in that Wim Hof retreat. I was just, I just went the, this is incredible. And how doesn't everyone know about this and what else is there? Is there something else with the breath? And mm -hmm. I started Googling and then I came across this term breath work. And as soon as you Google breath work, then all of a sudden all these pages start coming up of everyone doing these interesting things with the breath. And so that's what started a obsession for me, which meant traveling all over the world for the best part of three and a half years, learning from people who are doing something interesting with breath. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you mentioned a few, you know, doing transformational breath with Judith, um, rebirthing amongst many other styles of breath with uh, Dan Brule, um, doing biodynamic breath work, uh, holotropic breath work. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's so many types of ways there's to breathe so out many, there. Yeah, it's there amazing. Are. And I guess it's like with those types of breath works, there are all those rolling, the rolling breath, the connected mm. breath, which is, you know, so many different techniques. And sometimes it can get a little bit confusing about which one to, to go to. Or, um, you know, I always say to people, like, not all breath works are necessarily going to resonate with you. And it's just good to just go with an open mind and make sure that you go and work with people that are accredited and um, have done the full training because it is powerful stuff and it can bring up old trauma and and you want to make sure and physically as well it can be very very physical can't it yes. so you want to make sure that you're in a space where it's going to be held really well and so when we you know, all of these different techniques where we can take ourselves into different states. So like, obviously there's ones that can, you can use, which in just in everyday life, which just to help you if you're feeling anxious and to feel calm or if you're feeling scattered, you want to feel more focused and, and so on, or we need to get a quick burst of energy. So all of those techniques, but just, um, and then I guess it's, and also with the connected breathing too, is like it's encouraging an open mouth breath, mm. isn't it? Mm. And then there's 
There's so nose breathing versus mouth breathing. And so should we chat about that and just like so we can just clear up any. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like maybe doubts about kind of what is it like kind of should we be mouth breathing? Should we be nose breathing? I mean, my we my eyes. I mean, I always say to people breathe through the nose. There's very good reasons to breathe through the nose. But then the mouth breathing also has has its place in its time as well. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's again, it comes back to that understanding that your breath is a tool and that mm. by breathing in different ways, whether on purpose or unconsciously, it's going to affect um, most of the systems in your body. Uh, so you're right. You know, we should breathe through our nose 99.9% .9 of the time. That's what it's there for. Resting state, our natural breath should be through the nose. Then, um, like you said, there are many physiological benefits for that, but that doesn't mean that it's bad to breathe through your mouth. And that like, like what we experience and some of what we teach is conscious mouth breathing. Yeah. But I think it's always important to emphasize that point that it is conscious on purpose right now and that we're not getting into a habit of breathing through the mouth Yeah. and that we, once you finish it's with, with the intention session, and yeah, it's with a purpose. We're yeah. going to switch back to our nose and then we're going to breathe through our nose for the rest of the day and into mm. the rest of your because life. Because there is also as well, like with potato breathing and, um, and other techniques where they really very strongly promote breathing through the nose all the time and how it's, it can help with asthma and yeah. also there's other like research which was with kids with ADHD and who have been breathing mouth breathing at night and then when they had retrained them or helped them to breathe through na nasal breathing then their ADHD then started to to get better so, it does, there does seem to be a lot of correlation between mouth breathing and hyperexcitability of the nervous system. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense for ADHD. Um, inflammation of uh, smooth muscle in your airways, which it makes a lot of sense for asthma. Um, and Buteco, I teach, by the way, you know, I, I think okay. it's incredible for people yeah. um, for a couple of different reasons, whether it's asthma, it could also be great for anxiety. Um, but again, it's a certain tool to be used for a certain moment. Yeah. And, you know, I've had Bateco guys come to my classes and be like, how could you teach these people to breathe through their mouth? And I'll reiterate, I'm like, well, yeah, but did you mention me saying that we should breathe through the nose once we finish? Mm. You know, it's like there's there's no right or wrong. Again, it's it's all fluid. It's all moving. It depends what you want to do. Yeah. Um, now, if you're a chronic mouth breather, then Buteco is excellent because you want to train yourself to not have to do that, not to uh, be breathing through your mouth all the time. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't do mouth breathing on purpose for a certain effect at some point in your yeah. life. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's the Swiss Army knife and you just need to understand – what each thing does and then you have a really cool tool to really affect your physical health your mental emotional health you know and, we, and, and also your spiritual development as well yeah so when we're inhaling and then when we're exhaling so when we're inhaling we're activating sympathetic, the sympathetic so it's a, yeah it's a, it's a stimulating breath and then the exhale uh provides the break so mm -hmm. the inhale is like the gas pedal and the exhale is the brake so it puts you and shifts you into this more parasympathetic mode and you can test this for yourself if you check your pulse and then breathe in slowly breathe out slowly and just watch your pulse and you'll see your pulse speed up as you inhale and slow down as you exhale mm -hmm. and that's why a lot of relaxing breathing techniques focus on this extended exhale because the idea is that you are stimulating more of what we call the parasympathetic nervous system System. it's your relaxation response yeah um so yeah you know with every single breath you are affecting 
systems in a certain way from literally from inhale to exhale, from inhale to exhale, even even in the, the breath hold as well. In the breath hold, um, you know, each breath is affecting the balance of gases in your blood. You know, it's not just a certain breathing over time will slowly change the balance of gases. Each breath will affect it. Um, so it's a very detailed practice if you dive deep into it and start to really understand what's going on. Um, and that's kind of the fun of it, actually, is that you have almost like this, the breath almost acts as like the master behind the control panel mm. to be able to go, I'm going to turn this part of the body on and I'm going to turn this part off or I'm going to speed this up or I'm going to slow this down. Um, this is, seems to be kind of like the uh, the gateway to be able to controlling a lot of the automatic things that often uh, are left completely to run to their own devices. And for people who have a lot of issues around autoimmune, neurolo neurological issues, um, what a great tool that we have to act, to influence these systems. Yeah. One thing I think that would be really good to 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 share and to put out yeah. there is is to talk about this idea of super oxygenation and yeah. because because there's so many kind of people stating that you're super oxygenating oxygenating and yeah. you're bringing more oxygen into your body and well yeah and no the first thing I want to say is that you know if if maybe you've tried breath work before and someone has said that would we're super oxygenating the body. Mm. Your real teacher has said that. Yeah. Now, I don't believe they're definitely not saying it to be deceiving or anything like that. It's usually just because they don't know, but actually that's not the case. Yeah. That's not what's going on. Um, Cause you can't actually, you can't affect, you can't, the, the blood is already 98 mm. to 97 to 98% yeah. saturated. Um, and to be able to increase that to a hundred percent in a meaningful way, because um, you can increase to 100% by breathing, but actually it's not productive. But in a meaningful way, you need some sort of extra intervention like breathing in pure oxygen or being in a hyperbaric chamber. Yeah. That way you can actually super oxygenate in a certain way. Mm. You start to go beyond the blood saturation and you start to look at things like oxygen being held in tissue, oxygen being held in plasma, these sorts of things. But um, just from breath alone... Uh, you can't really do it. And actually what is more likely to happen is by going into this state of hypercapnia, mm -hmm. you're actually decreasing oxygen delivery to your tissue. Um, now, for a lot of people, that sounds really scary. Yeah. Because <laughs> they yeah. go, oh, that sounds bad. Especially when you say the next part, which is probably the reason why a lot of these integrated styles of breath work actually work is because you're decreasing delivery of blood and oxygen to the brain, mm. which for most people sounds terrifying. Now, we're not cutting off delivery of oxygen or blood to the brain. Um, it's almost, think of it kind of like uh, when you breathe out too much carbon dioxide, your blood vessels constrict, and so you're kind of narrowing the dams or you're narrowing the rivers of uh, blood that go up into each, all across your body, but particularly to your brain. Now, if there was an issue with this or if it was particularly dangerous, then I feel like the people who have been doing breath work for 40 years, 50 years, and who are teaching it now, you'd mm. see it in them because yeah, they've absolutely. been breathing every day. Yeah. And, and, also, of other and also people. I think is like what, what you find is that when people have been breathing for that long, I mean, I know that when I first started with uh, connected breathing, I would get into those states. But then once you clear that and once you clear that tension or that trauma or whatever it is you're holding on to, then you tend to not get that anymore because it's stuff that's been integrated that needs to be processed right mm, mm. 
Yeah, it for for all intents and purposes, from everything that I've read and everything that I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, this this temporary acute uh, hypercapnia is safe. Now, I'm always going to say if you're unsure, if you have some sort of specific issues, always consult your doctor to check. But yeah, it's 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 important to understand that this you know you by doing this breath it's it's not really got anything to do with oxygen mainly it's mostly to do with carbon dioxide mm-hmm. that's really what you're affecting in a big way in terms of balance of gases in the blood and that is most likely the reason why it works because as you start to decrease delivery of resources to the brain the brain's very smart and it's going to uh, actually before i say that I, I'll, I'll say what is definitely scientifically fact and then yeah. what is theory because yeah. the, the part of this is Because how actually, we get into these, then how it takes us into these other states. Exactly. Like, yeah. So, so what is fact is that when you breathe out deeply in and out for a long period of time, you are going into a state of hypercapnia, which is a decrease of carbon dioxide in the blood. Mm. Carbon dioxide is what's called a vasodilator. It controls the expansion and contraction of your blood vessels. So if you have a lack of carbon dioxide, you will experience constriction of blood vessels throughout your entire body, including going up into your brain. Mm. So what has been shown is that this hypercapnia does decrease blood flow to the brain. That, that's fact. Now we go into theory. Um, what I believe is happening is something called transient hypofrontality. And what that means is that the brain is really smart. And if it's starting to, uh, if it's starting to um, have a lack of resources going to the brain, uh, it starts to go, well, what are the most critical parts for our survival and what are the parts that we don't need as much? Just accessing the limbic yeah, so yeah. so we have the the brain stem, um, which is responsible for a lot of our unconscious um, activities in in the body. That needs to stay alive mm-hmm. because we need to still breathe. We, our parts still needs to beat. Um, food continues to digest all these things. Then we have the limbic system, the the emotional centers of the brain, also important. It plays a lot of different roles. Yeah, what is probably the least important in this situation is the part of the brain that makes us smart. Mm. because we don't really need to solve a math problem when so we are in this, this situation. You're more in this state of flow. Exactly. So yeah. this is something called the prefrontal cortex, mm. the biggest part of the brain. Um, it's why we can do all the cool things that we do. Now, if you start... Which is, to, a, which is like responsible for focus, communication, memory. Focus, communication, plugs us into the world through our senses, uh, cognitive behavior, but also a lot of aspects of personality. So rules, mm. regulations, who we think we are, what we're allowed to do, keeping track of time, all these kinds of things. Yeah. So if you start to turn down the activity in that part, then all of a sudden, I believe your awareness is now allowed to shift into other parts of your brain, which is your limbic system. And all of a sudden, you get to access what is there and is that going to be the amygdala is that going to be the the encoding of the fear responses that you've developed over your life mm-hmm. and are you able to re, 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 perhaps re-experience those but then integrate that and close cycles of trauma that perhaps you haven't been able to uh, close before that's what I believe is happening and what is interesting is this is the same process that happens when uh, you take psychedelics yeah. Whether it's psilocybin, um, 
DMT and things like ayahuasca, you know, these have been studied somewhat and scans have been done somewhat for the while people are in these states. And this idea of transient hyperfrontality has been demonstrated over and over again. Um, and for me, it just makes a lot of sense because I think you agree. A lot of people, when they come out of a breathwork session, if they've ever had an experience somehow mm. with a psychedelic, they go, this feels like the same thing. Yeah. So it hasn't, you know, this hasn't been proven yet. And hopefully I'm working soon with um, actually, it's cool. The Imperial, Imperial College's uh, Center for Psychedelic Research Fantastic. to start to do some yeah. brain scans of people while they're breathing mm. um, to actually hopefully prove it. Because, I mean, it's still theory. Makes a lot of sense to me, but um, yeah, because we'll like see. back in the day with um, uh, Leonard Orr and Stanislav Groff, like the grandfathers of connected breathwork, they were really, that's where they, they came from that place, wasn't it? We're working with psychedelics and researching psychedelics in the US. And then Stan they, did, yeah. yeah. Leonard found it through a different way. But yeah, Stan, you know, he, mm. he was one of the pioneers of uh, psychiatric ac- applications of LSD. Yeah. So he he's, he sat for thousands of people while they were doing their their psychedelic experiences yeah. as a form of treatment. Leonard's a bit different. Leonard uh, found it by accident. You know, rebirthing's fascinating. Rebirthing had nothing to do with breathing when it first started. It was all about <laughs> it was all about sitting in a bathtub. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite funny how it's all evolved, basically. Mm. The story, the legend has it, that Leonard was one day sitting in a bathtub. Uh, and you know how when you're in a bath and it's hot water and then eventually you just get that, like, urge to get out. It's yeah. like, oh, I feel like fidgety and uncomfortable. Mm. This is too much. He had this inspired idea once he felt that while I was sitting in a bathtub of, why am I feeling that? And what happens if I push past it? So he decided to stay in the bathtub for as long as he can okay, or could. Right. And what that resulted in, I'm not sure exactly how long he was, stayed in for, yeah. was that he re- had a had religious a rebirth. Yeah. yeah. Back, he was back in the womb. He was back in the womb. And so that was the, that was the genesis of rebirthing. Yeah, I didn't, and didn't know that story, Richie. It was, came from being Leonard or being in the bath. And that's why they yeah. still do rebirthing in, in, yeah. in water sometimes. So, so eventually he started to facilitate rebirthing sessions for people. Mm. And I guess the facilitation of a rebirthing session was simply sitting next to somebody in a bathtub and just waiting and making sure they're okay yeah. and refilling the bathtub with hot water. Yeah. That was, that was this facilitation. But what he was able to see was that each time people will go through these integration moments of their birth, um, they would start to breathe in what a we now call passion. the connected breath. Yeah. So yeah. then he said, well, I wonder then if, we just start with the breath. So they get in the water and then they, then they just breathe. So mm-hmm. get them to breathe in that way. And then the effect happened instantly. Mm-hmm. So that was the that was the birth of connected breathing. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's like quite a movement going on and it's so good to see a lot of breath work being brought into schools. Um, there's some incredible people doing work out there and, you know, yoga, meditation and and now breathwork coming into schools and people like Amy Hartley and Joe Manuel, who's going to be also on my podcast next week, who's been working with special needs kids for for years and teaching breathwork and, and yoga and just expanding that across the globe. So it's really beautiful to see um, it coming into the classroom, starting with the little ones. But um, what's next for you? What do you say? What's your vision? Gosh. Um, I mean, I, I, I just foresee that 
people everywhere recognize breathwork as something that could be useful for them. In the same way that everyone knows that yoga exists, in the same way that people know that uh, therapy exists when they have a problem, you know, it'd be my dream for people to just have, to know that uh, in, in the mainstream that breathwork is available and what it does and how it can help them. Mm. Um, and whether that is simply just having an understanding of your breath so that you can use it when you feel stressed or if you feel anxious or if you need to fall asleep to I have just lost a loved one and I need to process my grief, best go see my breath worker to help along with that, yeah. you know, and just have it in the, in the yeah. lexicon. Or, or I guess like kind of even better being already a, done had a few sessions so you you can actually facilitate that session yourself yes as well. exactly because that's yeah. the that's the aim isn't it to yeah, empower so you people feel that they can use a breath themselves to be their own healer and their own therapist but obviously having support as well is a beautiful thing and i still get sessions. nothing like I a facilitator yeah. session yeah it's always it's yeah. just that extra attention and that extra energy makes Absolutely. a big difference i love it yeah um but you know um for me and what I've seen breathwork do for so many people, it almost feels like it's a shortcut to people's tra um, transformation and their own progression and their own journeys. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that everything seems to be accelerating in life in all aspects, I believe that healing can also accelerate, you know, and there, there was a time where people thought that, you know, you had to go through years and years of therapy or, do things like qigong or, or, or and become like you know you do years of practice and become a master before you feel like yeah, you've mastered your energy on a mountain for yeah four hours every day and i don't i think that's that's i think that's an old energy now yeah. and i think there's a new energy that's come in which and i guess means it's like the old kind of um guru kind of concept as well isn't it it's like yeah. how you can be your own Guru, right? And we're seeing that, you know, in, in so many ways, you know, we're seeing people who have very serious health conditions that are able to heal themselves within matters of days that mm -hmm. supposed to be lifetime illnesses, you know, through things like meditation and seeing spontaneous remissions. And, you know, these are controversial things to say. And science, a lot of the time, will say that's irresponsible to say these things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you yeah, meet the people and, and you see it, it and yeah. you go, well, I'm just going to put it out there that it exists. Yeah. And that's and often okay. it's like when people have come like for a breathwork session, it sometimes it can be like a last resort. They're like I've yes. tried absolutely everything, yes. in taking this medication, or I've had this for six years or seven years, and then you can just see like within months a complete transformation, which is you know just just last week I had a incredible. client who's had an, had something happen when she was young uh, in her childhood, and then she's been working with a therapist for fourteen years. And she came in to do a breath session thinking that she'd already worked through everything that she needed to. It was more mm -hmm. just out of curiosity because she'd heard about this breathwork thing. And it completely shifted everything. And she said, for the first time, I realized that even though I conceptually understood that or well, thought I'd put it behind me, the energy of that moment was still in front of me and stopping me from being able to progress in my life. And for the first time ever, I feel like it's behind me. In fact, it's not just behind me. It's kind of off to the side and I can kind of lean off, lean on it because it's useful, yeah. you know? And she goes, I've been in therapy for this for 14 years and this has happened in one session. Like, 
could have saved myself a lot of time and money. Yeah. And I go, well, maybe you needed to go through well, all I that guess to it, get to it's this It's how point. we can go over this perception of our story over and over and over in our head, but it's how the mind and how the tissues and how we hold on to it in our body, in the memories within our body. And that's the, the beauty about this work. And that's where the breath can take you to, take you to the subconscious, take us what we're holding on to on an unconscious level. There are also people out there, I know, who will say breath work is like the, the thing and nothing else matters. Like this is the stuff that the only thing you need. And that's not true either. You know, mm. you will get something out of anything that you try and some things will give you more and some things will give you less. And for me, you know, breath work has given me so much, which is why I'm so passionate about what I do. But by all means, there are so many other great things that you can, that I've done as well, that have really helped with my own journey yeah. and in my own progression as a human being. So it all fits as pieces yeah. in the puzzle. So Richie, I think we've been talking for a quite a long time. <laughs> we now. could keep going. <laughs> and I think we might have to do a part two because yeah. there's quite a lot of other stuff that I would love to cover with you. But... Um, I would love it if, um, you, could we close this with like kind of a little, like what's like, oh, yeah, your best breathing tip or like a breathing exercise or something that people, listeners could just practice now so that they can really feel it. Cause here we are chatting yeah. about it, but it'd be good. If well, we could here's, here's something that is just absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I met, um, uh, a couple of people. Um, Richard Brown and Patricia Garberg, who are mm. uh, guys who are, I hope I said her last name right. I always get it wrong. Yeah, their books are Healing Power of Breath. Yeah. yeah really and, and the work that they're doing with something called coherence breathing mm. is absolutely brilliant. And I was, they were sharing stories um, about some of the healing moments that people have had. And it's always so um, uh, inspiring and refreshing when you, you know, we're used to maybe having kind of intense breath sessions and lead to cathartic releases and these kinds of things, but yeah. also the subtlety of the breath and the healing power of very subtle techniques, mm -hmm. um, are just as profound. Yeah. I mean, now I just completely switch kind of, it depends on who I'm working with. Like some people, they're not, they're just not ready for connected breathing. So you can go on mm. a different tangent. So yeah. just, yeah, like to, play all the time so so coherence breathing i believe is something that should just be something everyone knows and understands because mm -hmm. it basically is um a breath that was researched out of the states what they were trying to work out was what's the best breathing cadence to increase something called hrv or heart rate variability uh to not go too deep into it but heart rate variability essentially gives you a measure of how healthy and responsive your nervous system is. Mm. So if you have a higher heart rate variability, it's actually a good thing. If you're a lower one, it probably means that you're, it's your nervous system is more rigid one way or the other. So they were trying to work out what's the best way to be able to increase HRV using a breathing cadence. And what they worked out was that six seconds in, six seconds out, all through the nose, um, is a beautiful breathing cadence uh, that seems to increase HIV quickly. So you need to do this for at least three minutes for it to have an effect. Um, but it is brilliant for anybody who is, uh, you know, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling anxious, doing this practice in the moment when you're feeling stressed or anxious will really help. Um, but actually including it as a practice by itself is really, really beautiful. Doing it for five or 10 minutes, even, you know, just before you go to bed or even when you wake up first thing in the morning, 
is really, really beneficial. Um, and based off what I was speaking to with these guys, like, yeah, it can lead to some really profound healing effects. Um, one thing that I really want to emphasize for slow breathing, because I've seen this happen over and over and over again, and it's really important, is that when you try and do slow breaths, many people, because they're just not used to doing it and don't necessarily have the, the, the dexterity or the control in their primary breathing muscles yet, will breathe in really quickly still mm. and then just hold their breath for the remainder of the count and then exhale really quickly and then hold their breath for the remainder of the count. Um, it kind of defeats the purpose because you're actually changing the technique. You're starting to create breath holds rather than continuous breathing if that's what you're going for. So when you are inhaling for six seconds as per coherent breathing, make sure that you are inhaling for the entire time. And this becomes part of the mindful aspect of breathing and techniques. And inhaling with a slow kind of... Well, it has to be slow because yeah. otherwise you wouldn't be able to yeah, do it. Yeah, but also like kind of just not rushing it so you don't get to the top and you're like gasping at the top. Yeah, yeah. Overinflation is another thing that, if, especially if you're trying to do a relaxing technique, is something you have to be careful of. You know, if you are breathing in for six seconds and by the end of, the, by the end of it you've you know, you feel like you're about to burst. It's not exactly relaxing. So it's about learning how to ration the breath so that it's nice and slow and that, you know, if you're getting to maybe a nine out of 10 in terms of the volume of your lungs, but never trying to completely fill it up um, is really, really important. You know, most of the time when we talk about breathing techniques, people always talk about, you know, breathe in for six, hold for a thousand and then you know mm -hmm. exhale out for 20 or whatever but they never no one ever talks about volume and volume is another lever of the breath that makes a big difference mm. whether you take like a big breath in or a small breath in medium breath do you force a lot of air out on the exhale or do you only exhale to a neutral position these things all make a difference and these are things that get left out out of a lot of breathing techniques um, so when you do your coherence breathing don't overinflate Make sure you're inhaling completely for the full six seconds, exhaling. And on the exhale, don't try and empty your lungs completely either so that you're completely tensed up because, again, that's causing tension through your system. Yeah. So, again, it's all about control and rationing the breath. And that is the trick. That's what makes it difficult, but it's also what makes it work. And it's something you can just practice anywhere isn't yeah, it yeah no one tube. will notice yeah if you're if you're a bit feeling a bit nervous like before you're maybe going to do a presentation or something like that just something that you can just be practicing before you're about to get up so yes yeah. exactly exactly it's um it's it's multi-purpose you know mm. it coherence breathing is about balancing your nervous system it's not necessarily trying to overexcite or trying to make too relaxed it's about balance yeah very simple mm -hmm. i love that Thank yeah, you. Pleasure. So how can people find you, Richie? Um, website is uh, thebreathguy.com. Uh, Instagram is thebreathguide. There's a, really the best places to find me. I'm not really active anywhere else. Uh, I teach classes in London. Um, I'll be in the States and I don't know when this comes out, but February mm -hmm. 2020, I'll be in the States. I'll be in Mexico. I'll be in Colombia. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I do lots of workshops and events all over the place. So just look out for my Instagram or the breath Um, but you know, the great thing is that there are so many wonderful breath workers out there. And, you know, if you've never tried it before, just Google it, find somebody, look at their credentials, make sure they mm -hmm. have a qualification, 
um, and give it a go, you know, because at the end of the day, it's just breathing. And you can, if you can trust your breath, then you can probably trust yourself. So, um, just try and see what happens. You've got nothing to lose because the amount of people who I have had come to classes and say, I didn't know what to expect. In fact, some person just said I should try this class and I don't really know why I'm here, but I'll give it a go. And what that has led to is them doing the class and then going down this whole journey of their own development through the breath um, that's completely altered the course of their life forever. Um, has you know it happens over and over and over again so remain curious you know find someone local and, and just give it a go um, because I guarantee it will be an experience of some sort <laughs> always useful uh, yeah. but an experience of some sort so uh, it's it's I think for, for breath work to continue to grow the way that it is it just means people have to try it and the momentum um, will carry on from there so Find your local breath worker. Thank you, Richie. Pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in. I just, you know, I just love what you're doing. I love your message. It's really beautiful, important work that you're doing. So really grateful for that. And uh, yeah. Right back at you, Bex. You know, you were, you know, for the longest time, I've been one of the leaders in this work, especially in the UK and beyond. So I would just like to honor you for everything that you do and, uh, you know, you have a lot of people counting on you and I know that's not easy. Mm-hmm. And with the, with the little Louie as well, you know, counting yeah, on you, it just, it's got another big person <laughs> counting on you. So, so you, I think you're doing amazing work and thank I just you. like to honor you for that. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. Wow. And also you have a book coming out as well, don't you? So oh, yeah. we just drop that in quickly. Uh, yeah. I'm really bad at this promoting thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do have a book that's coming out. Um, uh, currently it's called exhale. Um, that might change actually. What do you uh, yeah. <laughs> Holes. Um, no, uh, we're, 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 we're talking at the moment and that might change. So depending on when this comes out, uh, best just on Amazon, if you're interested, just search Richie Bostock breathwork and you'll Brilliant. find it. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Thanks Bex. Good to Mwah. see you. Wow, wasn't that fascinating? I just love Richie and I hope you enjoyed that as much as me. As always with each episode, we're providing a mini episode with a breathing exercise to support the theme. For this episode, I'll be sharing one which will be guiding you through the chakras. You can find this wherever you find your podcasts. I would love to hear your feedback. If you found it useful or if it helped you to feel more positive, your stories of how it's made a difference mean the world to me and it's why I love sharing breathwork. We all know someone going through challenging times and sometimes we don't know what to say. Maybe these breathing exercises can help navigate them through. I'm on Instagram at breathing.tree or to find out more about breathwork, check out my website breathingtree.co.uk. This podcast was edited by Kazra Virosia and produced by One Fine Play. And remember to keep breathing and listening out for more inspiring episodes coming very soon.